welcome back to Judging Book Covers. I'm half your host, James DeBrucker, and with me as ever is... Megan Griffith. And we continue <laughs> our inexorable plunge through the depths of Lanny Sarum's uh, Ersatz Young Adult novel, A Handbook for Mortals. I noticed a few things uh, recently before we dive into... What chapter are we on? Three? Oh, we're on three. Um... So right now, Goodreads is having their annual um, awards that you can go through and vote. You're not a Goodreads user, are you? What? You don't use Goodreads, do you? I did, and then I didn't. It's been years. Gotcha. So they do annual awards. You can go in and vote a few times, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And they have a bunch of different categories, including uh, fantasy and sci-fi, and then specifically YA fantasy and sci-fi. So I found it quite amusing that... Our author, who has been uh, very much saying that the reason it's classified as New York Times or young adult is the entirely the New York Times fault, voted for the book under YA fantasy and sci-fi. So now, was it nominated already, or was there a or is no, there a write-in? No, you can do a write-in. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's not nominated, um, but it was quite amusing to see that she wrote in under young adult. So the continued confusion of what is this classified as? It's it's almost as if young adult as a genre signifier is is so broad as to be functionally worthless. But that's a conversation for another podcast. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, so last time, uh, our heroine, Zaid, um, not Zod like Shaharazad, and distressingly not Jade like the awesome singer. Um you do this every week. You don't know what her name's supposed to be. Well, it's it's right there. I mean, it's 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 Zaid, short for Shahrazad. Where is that? It's oh god damn it! I'm sorry. I'm breaking kayfabe. It doesn't come up until later, right? No, like, I think we've got like another chapter or two, and then you'll finally be able to make this comment every single episode. Well, Not that it I'm matters because you I'm do just, anyways, and I don't think I ever edit it out. <laughs> well, you know, I'm 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 workshopping it. So anyway, Zade uh, fucks off from Centerville, Tennessee, and finds her way to the big city of Las Vegas, where she jumps into the stage, violates OSHA. Uh, creeps on and is creeped upon in turn and um, ends chapter two with a super creepy sexualized interaction with her boss and uh, begins chapter three talking to human resources. (laughs) Turns out they're not quite related. Um, Yeah. um, So to keep with the uh, hydrotherapy aspect of this whole fucking podcast, I've been starting everything with a excerpt from Alan Moore's Promethea, a um, good exploration of the tarot. Uh, so we're on the Hierophant, uh, which is the fifth trump or chapter three, because as we learned last episode, the correspondence twixt uh, the major arcana and the number of the chapter of the book uh breaks down entirely so all right here we go ahem 
It's like a fugue. You have a choice of following a single voice or letting each strand grow less clear. The music of the whole to hear. This talks of threads with interplay returns us to the DNA. Card four, source of all that's alive, becomes the Hierophant, card five. This visionary papal force guides fledgling life upon its course that the initial spark divine might foster a terrestrial line. From algae to anilid worm, the evolution's hoop we squirm. From fish to reptile, snake to bird, we're scaled or feathered or else furred. For monkeys, life adapts and thrives till Homo habilis arrives. Lucy, a fossil remnant found in some far Ethiopian mound. A female hominid this find was predecessor to mankind. First human print on time's long track. And since you ask, I'm Mike, he's Mac. Now, the last, um, last chunk there is a reference to the two identical twin raven speakers guiding the uh, anthropomorphized force for knowledge that is Promethea through this exploration of the tarot. And seriously, folks, read Promethea. Um, probably do shrooms. Read Promethea is more the official uh, a handbook for a handbook for mortals position. I, I, I guess I can't really speak to the um, official recommendation of psilocybin on this podcast. Um, so yeah, that's the Hierophant in one book, and now for the Hierophant in <laughs> another thing composed of words. So um, let's just do a quick quick structure of the chapter. Sure. Um, so she goes to HR. Um, she fills out her uh, paperwork. She gets dressed. Like, she gets a costume. She gets uh, she, measured for a costume. She doesn't actually get one. Okay, she gets measured for a costume. Mm-hmm. She is creeped upon in this slasher movie scene. <laughs> and and then she meets a guy. Am I am I missing anything? Nope, I think that is pretty much the broad definition of what happens in this chapter. Okay, so let's elide over the human resources thing because it is just paperwork and not my boss is a super creeper and creating a hostile work environment. Yeah, I mean, I have you ever worked in HR or anything? I am curious, like, what shows up in a background check? Is it just, like... I mean, I mean, my last my last job, they didn't even make me do a drug test. I could have shown up like pissing seeds into a cup and I still would have gotten in. Um, I didn't do a drug test for mine either. I don't think that that's necessarily standard. I, I, I think I, I will see. We uh, I don't know. I think anyone who's willing to work in insurance claims like they. Uh, <laughs> beggars can't be choosers like. It's someone if you are already far enough down the downward spiral to pick out a job in insurance claims, there's either there's nothing in your background that would preclude you from doing that. Because if there were something in your background preventing you from being acceptable at a job in insurance claims, you would follow that particular trajectory down the downward spiral. Not not like a job in claims. So I don't think they really worry about it. Um, I, this is now, now, now here's the thing though. This is a casino gig. Yeah. This is, this is explicitly, they are employees of the casino and they are hardcore. Yes. In background checks. Um, because I mean, you, you, you are working in a casino and they do not take that lightly. Um, but she doesn't really have much of a before time. Right. Like, we don't know much of anything about that. Um, um, I do like with, the first week she was allowed to stay at the hotel. 
I wonder if they did that for all their new employees. I, you know, she she gets crash space eventually, right? Like I assumed that somewhere. Yeah, in the she chapter... says that. Yeah, all I right. mean, it's said in here. You know, she finds a place, she gets some furniture, she feels very adult. Okay. I remember those moments. They happened very early, around eighteen. <laughs> oh, yep, yep, yep. Um. So okay. Um. So we meet Lil, <laughs> short for Lillian. Um. Because everybody has a nickname. Yeah. Did, now, now, do we do we meet Lil's evil twin, whose name is Lil? Because like Cam and Mac, you've got Lil oh. <laughs> and no, we don't because meet. it's a palindrome. What is like, E N N A L I L? Whatever. No, we do not. Um, Annalise is how I would invert that. That sounds and good. I have just exerted more effort than the author <laughs> has done yet. Um. There's a lot of talk of the wardrobe department in general. Uh, apparently they make but similar it's, costumes. But it's never... She never goes into any detail. No. It's it's received wisdom. It's... I, I mean, she's gaslighting the reader. Like, no, trust me. This is a really cool wardrobe department. And, and, and she goes into... Um, there's a bit where she talks about how... I always want a completely recognizable costume that is something so unique that no one else has it. You can't do both. Because, like, remember... I'm, I'm re- actually re- amused because I think every single time I have added the word unrecognizable instead of recognizable every well, time well, I've read this. Now, like, when, when Katrina did her Edgar Allan Poe Dameron costume, yes. that was super unique. Nobody got it. At all. The closest someone came was Space Hitler. Oh, God. Which, I mean, the, the Edgar Allan Poe mustache, I get it. But Edgar Allan Poe Dameron, completely unique, utterly unrecognizable. And she was not at, like, a fucking normie party. That was at Hinterlands. Yep. So, <laughs> like, if anyone were to recognize it, it would be there. Um, she's it, Yeah, oh. there's a lot of talk of, like... They make these costumes. They obviously don't make them for free. Um, like it says they made side money. My guess is these costumes aren't cheap. Like, I don't know if you have ever um, bought a costume, not like a pop-up store kind of costume, but like where I'm from, there's a store called Eddie's that they specialize in costumes, like particularly for shows and things like that, where like to rent them is a hundred bucks to buy them is ridiculous. So like, I mean, we're talking about costumes that are produced for a Las Vegas stage show. So we're we're talking like, like thousands of dollars. I would wager. Um, my ex-wife for a while did fairy wing construction, uh, for Ren fairs. And even those were, and we're talking about like fucking eight, broke-ass 20-somethings in a house in Pittsburgh just cranking out fairy wings, and even those were pretty expensive. Um, so, like, it, it, it's... I'm not sure know. who's paying them, if they are if they are contract workers or if they are also employees of the yeah. uh, casino. It just seems to imply that she can obviously afford these side costumes, and you know what? This may be based on something that uh, Lanny Serum dealt with, actually, in Vegas. Maybe they're not that pricey. Maybe they do it for... Well, so <laughs> so so Blues Traveler went through this weird Fleetwood Mac phase, and so she had to go out and buy like flowing diaphanous robes so that John <laughs> Popper would would Stevie Nixie match with his harmonicas. Um, oh, and so, yeah. Um, 
Do you find it, I find it interesting that we are always more compelled by the nuts and bolts office work background of what's going on <laughs> than the narrative itself. Okay, well, well, there are some things that happen in this chapter. A lot does not. So yeah, you know, the minutia is kind of needed to fill time. But uh, yeah, I guess we do meet Lil Lily yep. Ann, who is not named for her great aunt. I don't think. Um, now there is, okay, there are two, there's one thing that she gets completely right in this chapter, she being the author, and there's one thing that she completely gets wrong. Um, she talks about going to Sally Beauty Supply, uh, how Zayd goes to Sally Beauty Supply and gets the colors and does her hair herself, and- You jumped past me. (laughs) No, 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 I know, that, I'm, I'm, I'm leading with the positive thing. Okay. Like, it's, towards the end of this section, she talks about how- Yep, I, Zade yeah. would go to Sally Beauty Supply and get the colors and do it herself. And I was like, I went, okay, that is a thing that human beings do. Yes. I have met several people who have vibrantly colored hair and they go to Sally Beauty Supply and they do it themselves. This is a human interaction. Um, what she gets completely wrong is, and I'm not sure where this comes out. Um... Are we skipping over the slash? Yeah. All right. All right. No. Okay. 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 So, I wasn't so, so. skipping over anything. You jumped ahead of me, so I'm not sure where you're going. I flipped. O- I turned a page. I turned a page. Like we meet Lil. Lil's a goth. But like I hadn't even gotten to the fact that she's a goth. Okay. Fucking spoiler alert. Lil's a goth. A stereotypical goth. Black hair, black nails, and more than her fair share of tattoos. It's I- not a spoiler alert. That's what I was trying to talk about, and you jumped ahead of me. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's go back to the goth thing. No, it's fine. Continue with your. No, 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 no. I know. I want to. I want to unpack the goth stuff. Go. No, no. By this point, you've jumped ahead. I have no okay. idea where you're going, though. Oh uh, well. Um. Actually, I jumped ahead a lot more than I thought. So okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. All right. Traveling back in time. All right. So we meet Lil. Lil's a goth. And yes. oh oh sorry I also skipped over the part where Zade was naked. Um so Zade's naked, like nearly you naked. Over a lot. So Zade's nearly naked. Lil's a goth, measuring Zade, and you're a stereotypical goth. Do you wear black all the time? I'm not a stereotypical goth. <laughs> I'm neither goth nor stereotypical. I would be more emotionally well adjusted if I were a goth because then I would have had a social circle. Um. <laughs> You also so, okay. have your fair share of tattoos, so... Oh, right, I have zero tattoos. So, okay, goth, measuring... Now we get to the Sally Beauty Supply stuff, which is something that human beings with vibrant hair actually do. Well, what I wanted to point out about Lil, what I was trying to get to, is that it kind of has become a theme. This is, what, the third female character that we've had, like, any kind of description of. You know, the first being her right. mom, the second being Sophia. Um None of the women in this book outside of Zayd are particularly portrayed well. Um, Like, the entire portrayal of Lil is kind of... She's very gossipy. Like, it's it's not outwardly negative, but it's also like, she's not worth my time, almost. There's no sense of friendship here. It's more like, she instantly kind of tunes her out. Um makes fun of how much she talks and like saying that she knew everything even down to her breakfast and then even tells us what she had for breakfast like and now now you're now you're the one doing the skipping well my point being is that it's like outside of Zade, there's not a lot of female positivity here in this book 
Now, outside of Zade, can you name a second dimension to any character full stop? Because you've yes. got guys who are dreamy, except for Mac, who's a dick. And creepy. So, like, and... Mac has three dimensions now. Now, okay, I would say... Even it's... probably more than Zade. Now, 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 get... Having explored at length the difference between lowercase creepy and uppercase creepy, <laughs> I would I would leave it as an exercise for the reader if... Mac is a dick and also creepy counts as two dimensions or if that's just one. Um, well, he was a dick over OSHA. Right. Um, to be fair, like we said last chapter, we agreed just how he handled it was shit. Yep. Um, but now let's, let's, um, let's get into the creepy. Cause, yeah. cause um, so every male character reacts to Zade as if Zade were a sex object or a sibling. And yep. in some cases, like with Spellman, the Ooh. distinction is less clear than I would like it to be. Um, so Mac, and this is, this is the author's reach exceeding her grasp. Because up until this point, up until the triple fucking goddess moon line break um <laughs> everything's been in first person um from zade's perspective then it switches to Mac's perspective third person and the effect is exactly like a scene in the slasher movie where <laughs> the shot shifts to pov from the killer Yep. Like this is this is a straight up giallo scene. You've got Mac probably wearing black leather gloves, stalking through the hallways, walking up to the door of the fitting room and watching Zade get measured. Yes. Which is super fucking gross and creepy and detailed. Mac could see Zade standing in nothing but her lace underwear and a bra as Lil pulled a measuring tape around her narrow waist. Both pieces were black and nude with lace trim and the panties, which were a high waist cut, framed Zade's body nicely and showed off her curves and small waist. Oh my god. Um, Lil made a note on her pad and moved down her hips. Under the bright lights, Zade's skin looked porcelain white. She was beautiful. She wasn't supermodel hot, but there was definitely something about her that just made her stand out. Matt couldn't quite put his finger on it, but there was something there. Okay, so... Couple of questions. Sure. Is this a fetish that the author has? Do you think that the author gets a charge out of the idea of someone watching her in the changing room? Because this well, scene is probably the most detailed scene that we've gotten. <laughs> I, I did. We did make a joke last episode about how this book slowly turns into to a BDSM book. And, uh, right. Well, yeah. Yeah. The Spellman thing is super dominant. And, and, and into yeah, this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like. 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 Th- this is. There is, there is an ex in the author's life who wasn't willing reaction. to do this, yeah. and uh, uh, so uh, and, and, it's not. I don't know if I found out. I'm reading Donkey Skin for Fabulous, and like, there's a prince that does this too, where he looks through the keyhole and watches a princess change clothes, like. What is this? Is this supposed to signify romance? Well, but from what you've told me about Donkey Skin, again, not to burn cast for Fabulous, but Donkey Skin is fairly explicitly a psychosexual narrative. I mean, it is about fucked no, up that's, people. 
that's the retellings make it that way. But the original story, it, it's not the dad that's watching through a keyhole. It's the guy that she eventually ends up marrying. Yeah. So I'm, it's, it signifies interest, if nothing else. It's uh, just a creepy interest. Like, I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it happens in movies all the time, you know, where the window's open and guy looks out and realizes the window's open and then sits and watches and like, I don't know. I just, when did, we, when did peeping Tom become such a signifier for romance and why in 2017 is this book being released with a peeping Tom? Well, but again, then again, like, this is also me burning a bridge and saying, like, by the way, Mac ends up being one of the guys she might have an interest in. So, like, it, it, which I think you can kind of tell from the standpoint of, like, how he's getting his own point of view. Like, well, well yeah. And, 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 and the, the key part of any cliche, stereotypical YA triangle is not a is YA. That, is, is just, just, just. just is that one person has to be super dark and broody. Yes. Um, so your um would you say that's more of an Ed Cullen thing or a Jacob thing in Twilight? I would say it's Uh Edward's more brooding. Yeah, Ed Cullen in Twilight, um fucking Ed Cullen. <laughs> Eddie. Fucking Eddie Monster. Yeah, I don't know. it's and he also peeps through windows too. Right. Because he watches her sleep. Like, what is this? What? Ah, oh, I'm sorry. Like, if, 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 okay, if any preteen females are listening to this podcast, I should really emphasize that I wasn't actually suggesting you go out and take shrooms, first of all. Second of all, this is not a healthy model for romance. Um, get you a guy who looks at you in a consensual way, not through keyholes while you're getting dressed. Yeah, and like, I actually, that goes for preteens of all genders. Um, I don't know the way that Zade's described at all. Like clearly she's supposed to have the hourglass figure. I love that the author can't resist negging her own protagonist. Like even, even, even when this dude is creeping on her, she, you know, she wasn't super model hot, but there was something about her that just made her stand out. Like, can't you just see the fucking seven out of 10 rating? (laughs) I mean, I, I guess it's supposed to lean into the, like, she's not, She's the unique butterfly, I guess. You know, I, I agree with that motion. Yeah, um, I really need a, like, I need a, a fucking soundboard so I can play a sound <laughs> effect when I'm making the wank gesture. Because... You find it, I'll add it in. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <Hey>. Okay. <laughs> um, um, but he also, like, at no point apologizes, doesn't. The only reason he stops is because he gets caught. Yep. By his best friend who, like, and then he gets angry, and it's just, this now, dude has now, irrational now, now, anger. Now, Tad creeps on Zade, too. Does he? Tad looked through the crack in the door, looked at Mac, cracked a wide grin, and crossed his arms. But I could see Tad being like, what's going on in there? Oh, oh, you're a creep. Like, I'm going to stand here until you realize that I'm someone is observing you being a creep. I don't think he's actually creeping on Zade as much as... I guess, I guess. He does also, call him out for being a peeping Tom. It, there's also, before this, like, a whole thing about how it's really weird to be measured by a stranger and to stand naked in front of a stranger. And why did you not check to see if the door was closed? Well, the important thing is that 
Mac is staring at this, is staring at Zade, who is in an explicitly vulnerable space. And Mac is focusing on how Zade made him angry. Mac was not the kind of guy to just forget things, and it made him frustrated that looking at her seemed to do that to him. Despite his frustration with himself, he still stood there staring for quite a while, the whole time thinking he should just look away, but he couldn't seem to actually take his eyes off her. So you have a sexually frustrated obsessive mm -hmm. viewing at, or you're watching his enemy. And this is, like, this is, this is not subtext. This is not my weirdo fucking brain reading too much into it. This is text. This is words on page. Yeah, he and, feels like he should hate her. She right, is the enemy. Right. And, 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 you know, she's, she's probably a whore who reminds him of his mother or something like that. Like, it's, <laughs> in his it's, mind. Like, in his mind. Yeah, this is, okay. this is, this is, this is a slasher scene. It is played as a slasher scene, except instead of the slasher, you have, like, the the Crispin Glover comic relief character who 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 gets knifed at some point it, and 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 going back to is this a thing for the author just the the sheer volume of words detailing this yeah. and 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 the importance ascribed to it like that it is it is entirely up to Lanny Serum or ostensibly an editor <laughs> to 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 determine what gets focus and and this is this is a spotlight scene for our friend mac um yeah th at this point it is very clear he's an important character if you're going yeah. to spend time writing something from his point of view um you can do this in a less creepy way like have 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 mac like have Zade be at the fucking craft services table or yes. something like that. And Mac is, is like walking around with a clipboard and he sees Zade wolfing down some finger sandwiches and you know, there's the, you know, and then we find out he has a food are... fetish. Yeah. And... Yeah, exactly. He, 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 he couldn't stop thinking about yeah. picturing Zade smearing the mayonnaise all over her alabaster skin. And oh, I, thank you for that. Um... You're welcome. <laughs> Do you no, like how he used like, mayonnaise? Huh? Do you like how he picked mayonnaise? The, yes, the, yes. Yeah, thank you. All right. um, yeah, basically, like, neither of us are trying to say that we need to, you shouldn't look at people or, like, remove this element of, you know, being thunderstruck as someone you have a crush on walks by. It is the fact that she is naked, almost. Nearly. And the detail of like what she's wearing and how she looks it's i mean honestly like yeah if he if there was a line about him touching himself i would not have been surprised oh he definitely has his hand down his pants when tad shows up because <laughs> i don't i like you don't get that pissed unless someone fucking walks in on you while you're spanking it um <laughs> I, I i i i'm I'm surprised she didn't name the lingerie Zayd was wearing. Honestly, all... she probably did in one version of this. Mm -hmm. um, because so you're that... right, like the, the Sally brand being there, which, you know, this book almost kind of becomes like an ad for Sally the number of times it's mentioned, is very jarring because I think it's like the only brand or store. Nope, that's not true because we already had Levi's and stuff. It's just, it is weird. Well... I don't know. I mean, maybe she did. You she, miss she everything missed I said, or uh, Sally's is one of the few brands actually mentioned in this in the yeah 
and it turns into an ad for Sally. So, um, sure. So, the fact that like Tad doesn't call him out on it really. It's played off as, like, you have a crush, you have a crush. Right. Contrast with Mac's internal narrative. Uh, Mac looked Tad dead in the eye and moved his tongue around his gums. He ground his teeth before responding, anger mounting in his words. Um, contemplating how to kill her and dispose of the body without getting caught. Keep it up and I'll be disposing of two bodies. Any other questions? The sharp stare that followed was enough to shut Tad up. It wasn't time to blah, 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 blah. Tad laughs it off. Mac huffs one last time before he turned and stormed back down the hall. And again, so really, given the context, is... that's not funny. Yeah, no, it's not at all. Like, it is incredibly jarring. And I think the first time I read this, I had to double check that it wasn't some kind of murder mystery. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, then Riley shows up from Buffy and uh, <laughs> it's... Tad's just like, oh, he's having... Tad says, oh, Mac's just having a difficult time dealing with feelings. That's what you can say about any slasher. Yep. Um, And then we get to... So, okay, the Sally Beauty Supply is one of the things that we... She gets exactly right. And then after the the other, you know, Triple Goddess Moon line break, we go (laughs) back to first person, Zade. And this is something she gets completely wrong. Uh, She's describing Lil's breakfast... She had gotten all the ingredients fresh from a local farmer's market, which she recommended I go and try. Now, for those of you who haven't been in to Las Vegas, it is in the middle of a fucking desert. <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada doesn't strike me as a place that farmer's markets would be thick on the ground because it is... casinos and again a fucking desert so i i i I, I, that being said she did live there and there are farmers markets there i think isn't i've never been to vegas i know you have so like isn't it kind of an oasis in the desert i it's artificially constructed and like all I did was hang out in casinos and get divorced. So, yeah. I mean, maybe there is like some hidden fucking Vegas that I and and so if there is a if you take away my half of the amulet, if there is a f- local farmers market in Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, there's at least enough to have a top 10. So Really? Yep, apparently so. So Jesus Christ. But I, I agree with what you're saying. Like I would be it this book would have benefited from like hey, a moment of weariness because isn't Las Vegas in the desert? Like the There's so much that she just glosses over. Like yes. she says, Trust me, the costumes are really cool. And trust, trust me, me, this person's really good at what she does. And, and trust me, there's a farmer's market and like yep. I, I, my character's not going to question that because I as the author know that there's a farmer's market because I live there. Right. And it's not <sighs> And I mean if she yeah. lived there if she lived there and it, and she's she's name dropping national brands. Throw out some fucking love to local merchants. Agreed. I am all for that. You know, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna write something set in Austin or whatever, um, have people go to Waterloo Records, which I hope still exists. Um, <laughs> otherwise, that reference will date me. Or um, you know, Blue Velvet or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just- so Anything. so yeah, like you know, I got this from the farmers market that was at. Blah, 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 yeah. blah. There's just a lot of I'm telling you things, 
but I'm not going to show you, which is, again, another added thing of like, this might not be a first draft, but I don't think you changed much from your first draft. All right. And uh, someone apparently texted me with a list of farmer's markets in Las Vegas, Nevada, and told me that I'm being very loud. So sorry. Um, <laughs> Tell Aaron hello. <laughs> all right. I, I'll, uh, um, so she's all... I'm sorry. That's fine. Hold on. Megan says hello. <laughs> all right. Um, so she's all wardrobed, and then she meets... The other guy. The other, other, other guy. Yeah, so by this point, we've had Mac. Mac. Cam. Cam Tad. Tad. Riley. Jeb, Riley. Mr. Spellman. Charles, yeah. So that's like a handful of guys. We don't necessarily need more. The author disagrees. So we meet, stumblingly, Jackson Millsap. Mm-hmm. Um... Millsap, I can only imagine, is a nod to Ronnie Millsap. Yep, I think so. Uh, Jackson, I picked Jackson Brown. Um, maybe. I mean, it could be Michael Jackson. Uh, so okay, sorry. I was I was giving you a look. I know it, it a... took me a minute to, to realize. I was like, oh shit, I think Connie is gone. <laughs> the, the pregnant pauses due to the fact that we're doing this via video call, and so there's a lot of acting going on. Um, so she is fucking flabbergasted by Jackson Millsap, um, who is... Which, for the record, like, that last name never comes up again, because I remember when I wrote my review, I had to search for his last name. Um, all right, so... She is, like, thunderstruck. She can't speak. She trips. She becomes a romantic comedy lead heroine easily, and turns into a 14 year old girl and giggling at him and like he loves it he is also a little creepy he, now okay well, so i'm i'm willing to accept again as received w- wisdom that jackson Millsap is a very attractive guy yes not that we he have a is, clue what he looks like really outside of you know two perfect rows of teeth now, I assume that those were, like, uh, shark's teeth. Like, Probably. it's not top and bottom. That it's, it's, like, two rows of two teeth going like back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, I oh, wish I could think of... dimples. Yep. I no, wish we I could think of... Okay. I wish I could think of more clever banter than dot, dot, dot. So do we, Lonnie. So do we. Um, <laughs> he also... Okay, yeah. He's got dimples. He's got dark chestnut hair. Two um, rows of teeth like a shark. And the smile that makes her go weak in the knees. Um, plays in the house band. He's the band leader, singer, and guitar player for the house band. So he is a gigging musician. He is a working musician, which is totally respectable. Yes. Pays good. Great. But he's not Jimmy fucking Page. You know, I don't, (laughs) I don't understand why it's like, oh shit, you're Jackson Millsap. Oh my God. I loved you in whatever. Yeah. But she's not quite that way. She's no. just, he's a pretty musician. And granted, anytime someone is carrying a musical instrument. Okay, I just said that, that I realized, if someone's carrying a guitar, then uh, they tend to add, you know, another 10 points to your total score. Yeah, I gotta say, my, my aborted career as a sousaphonist, that did nothing for <laughs> fucking 
my dating life. Um, so but no, there's a comment, you know, she talks about how she plays guitar because of course she plays guitar. Um, and he says, sweet, a girl that can play that's hot for sure. This is a work environment. They just met. I'm not even sure. Like she's confirmed her name to him. Like the weird, I get like entertainment business. I've I've worked in jobs where like you're hit on from day one. I get that. But like, especially adding in the, the Mac point of view, this chapter, like every guy just feels like a creep. Yep. So, um, um, but the comments came off, could have come off as jerkish, but the way he said it sounded kind of sweet. I'm not, how, how? Use your mouth words. <laughs> I just, the, the entire quote is sweet. A girl that can play, that's hot for sure. I think you get bonus points for that. One would wager that being a working musician in Las Vegas, a woman who can play an instrument would have lost its novelty by now, perhaps. Maybe. You would think so. Um, So they want to jam together. Um, He's got his own band where I sing and also play guitar and keyboards. Sometimes I'll even bang on the drums here or there. And she basically goes, cool, can I borrow your guitar? I get a real impression that this guy is a fucking Petri dish. Um, Just (laughs) like, I don't know. No, no, I I meant in terms of like number of diseases he's carrying around. (laughs) Gotcha. He's a musician in Vegas. It's quite possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I remember the, 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 the good old days where people in bands would do lots of really bad drugs and they were cool. So <laughs> that doesn't I, I, still happen. I, you know, it's less of a thing. It's no, it's less obviously a part of the lifestyle. Like you don't have, you don't have stuff like, like the uh, hair metal bands, you know, Motley's crew and poisons. And I know who the hair bands are. Thank you. <laughs> you were, where that, that sort of decadence is part of the lifestyle you right. have. Um, well, this is a, I don't know. It's it, it like the, the, part of it is that the musical landscape has shifted so far away from from the raucous paradigm that you have what like hip hop Twitter beefs, I guess, to to, to 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 replace it. I mean, sure. I it, it's it's so so that is that is kind of my, what I am bringing to the table is that Jackson Millsap is a uh, a Nikki Six sort or you know that kind of greasy hair metal guy. Um, <laughs> That's an interesting take on him. I, well, like, I, I don't know. I mean, he, it's it, part of it is the Vegas thing, right? Like, yeah. like now I, now I, I, I confess that your magic or your illusions show would probably be pretty fucking shitty. If you need a hype band with <laughs> vocals. I mean, yes. Well, they don't necessarily do this. They say vocals. Um, Band leader, singer, and guitar player for the house band. Yep, okay. You're right. I agree. Um, I don't know. It's one thing if, like, you have a house orchestra. Or even even a house band. Like, I get it. Like, uh, totally get it. But, like, if if, if the house band needs to bring that much to the table, then your your illusions are are lacking. Problematic, yes. Um, Yeah, but she immediately asks, can I borrow the guitar? And I, I don't know. I would be weirded out. It, like, 
So, 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 so wait, just so I'm on the same page, your deal breaker is that Jackson Millsap is immediately willing to lend out his spare acoustic. No, no, no. It's not anything with Jackson. It's with Zade, who's like, he goes, I also have my own band. And her response is, cool, can I borrow your guitar sometime? Like, and then a paragraph of, here are all the things I should have asked or should have said. And it's like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, this is dumb. <laughs> so, okay, this is this is this is an interesting like exercise for the reader question. What kind of music is it? Who else is in the band? Where do they play? Um I assume that this is never really explored in the novel. Um So, I'm just going to assume that Jackson is in a third wave ska revival band. I knew you were going to say ska. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew it was coming. <laughs> I'm not sure how judged I should feel about that. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's a judgment on you, just of society. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so Jackson is in a ska band, um, and the the actual the actual house band for the uh, the Illusion show. Um, he's flexing his musical muscles, so it's it's real like East Coast hardcore, like Gorilla Biscuits sort of thing. So that's 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 how I'm choosing to um, uh, interpret everything. <laughs> Um, this is so, just a weird interaction. It goes again, like, he says, yeah, you can borrow it. She never says thank you. Like, it talks about how she's going to say thank you and start her goodbyes in the conversation, which it actually says, I was getting around to the goodbye part of the conversation. The Every <laughs> interaction between two human beings in this novel that doesn't res- revolve around creepy psychosexual subtext is written by space aliens. It's it's it's, she, she gets the weirdo psychosexual stuff down perfect, (laughs) but whenever it's just two people talking, it's space aliens who caught the satellite transmissions from earth years out and have developed their understanding of human interaction based on a translation of that Mm -hmm. because, because everything has this weird, Pinter-esque awkwardness to it. There's there's a lot of implicit pregnant pauses in the dialogue because person A will say something and then person B will say something that is orthogonal to what person A said. And right. person B will usually comment on, oh, I, you know, that was a little bit weird or off of what I should have said. And then person A will sort of kind of respond to that and on and on and on and iterative. Um so this goes on for much longer than I thought it would. Yep. Um, he offers, or he explains that he's actually there to give her a tour because he volunteered to give the pretty new girl the nickel and dime tour. Again, uh, workplace environments. This is something um, that my creepy old men co-workers at like the bowling alley would have said. So, but she, she leans into it by oh, calling so it happy. the magical tour. Yes. Which, Which is embarrassing. Maybe. Perhaps. Oh, no. He's okay with it. It's cool. No, what's embarrassing is the Richard Marks reference out of nowhere. Which, yeah, okay. I, mean, I was... I'm very glad you're reading this because, like, I had didn't understand this reference. Well, Richard Marks is... I, I know who Richard li- Marks is. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's it, it, like... I, I mean, I'm looking it up on fucking Wikipedia right now because I, I think I know what song they're talking about. But I'm not sure. I think if you um, Google the lyrics. Uh, right here waiting. Um, 
God, yeah, it is the song that I was thinking of. Oh, Christ. So this is a pop hit from 1989. Um, and, like, to, again, Zayd, so... This, How old is Zayd supposed to be? For all we know, this book, it takes place in 2017. Okay. Zayd is supposed to be 24, 25. There's talk of, like, her quarter of her life. Yep, yep. Um, so that puts her born post my sister who was born in 91 so like 92 93 christ so children like, uh, sorry i'm i'm feeling my ears bite me um so yeah 92 93 and not to say like i don't know like okay so i was born in the 80s this isn't to say like i can't reference a song from the 70s or something like that but like this song is a little obscure there is no lead up to why this song is being referenced because I mean, at no point is there a discussion of what music he plays or anything like that. No, we established that he plays third wave ska and East Coast hardcore. Yes, exactly. So like, now the question is, does he cover Richard Marks in the style of third wave ska or in the style of East Coast hardcore? It's got to be East Coast hardcore. I think so too. I think so too. There's not you can't really put many upbeats to Richard Marks. Um, so and, so this is. Like, I'm tempted to play this song because, like, I think I know what song this is. Yeah. It's like a it's, ballad, right? Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, it's it's a fucking pop rock hit from 1989 where it's, the, the lyrics include right here waiting for you. I mean, there's only so many things you can do with that. I mean, yeah, but, but like, if someone emphasized those words, I would be like, mm, you're kind of, okay. Like, there is no... But she's a super secret Richard Mark super fan. Like, okay. There's, yeah, there's no payoff here. Well, first of all, at least I got his reference and joke. References aren't jokes. The, you know, hey, remember this thing you like isn't funny, particularly, especially if the thing in question is Richard fucking Marks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and honestly, maybe he wasn't referencing Richard Marks. Yeah. Like, trust me, I, I I am not unfamiliar with the process of using song lyrics or songs as a substitute for genuine human emotion. That's how I got through college. But, like, it's... I don't know. And then and then she's having her Gethsemane moment where she wonders if, if Jackson Millsap was actually a fan of Richard Marks. Um, and honestly, Jackson is probably in his mid-20s, too. Like... I don't know. The, how many people listen to late 80s rock music? Like, usually when you find someone under the age of not old enough to remember this, they, they go for the times of, like, the 70s. There's not a lot of, like, 80s nostalgia yet. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're alighting over uh, the period in the aughts where everyone was ripping off Duran Duran. CF the killers. Oh yeah, okay, that's true. So 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 there is, but there's not. not there's not really this. been a there's not really been a soft rock or yacht rock revival, yes. except for the, you know, the the timelessness of Steely Dan, um, who is not yacht rock. That's a they're a separate thing entirely, but they often get unfairly lumped in with yacht rock. Um, I I, I don't know. Maybe maybe he, Jackson Millsap listens to Richard Marks ironically. Like, eh. I, but it's it, it, to be fair. Does any post-postmodern character do anything if it's not done ironically? Uh, we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about that next chapter, I'm sure. Um, so we're winding up, thank God, and she, get, she gets super zen. And 
She she knows that she's made the right choice. I was supposed to be there, not back home. It was a great feeling. I was surrounded by new possibilities, and that's always the best part of any change. Colon, new paragraph, which is just that... Uh, there should I there's red ink there, right? Like if, if you were writing an essay, it, yes. you would get that back with red ink. Yeah. Yes. Knowing you have possibilities M dash and getting to see where those possibilities take you, which is again, like it's poorly written on a technical level. That is a sentence fragment. It's not even that it's, it's more like she's trying to say, this is the moral of the book or something. And like, I'm going to do it, but she doesn't do it in a way that like, yes, thank you for the overly done wanky motion. Um, you know, if there had been like colon, enter, enter, centered completely, something like that. I mean, I read Charles Olson. I'm okay with weirdo formatting as a way to evoke meter or breath yeah. or or thought process but the it's not earned in no, this which is it, it, something we keep coming back to it is it is absolutely not earned and it feels like this was published without someone going through and looking for comma splices or sentence fragments or or whatever it 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 it, it is it is poorly done on a technical level and that is vexing it is poorly done on a very fundamental technical level because there's 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 poorly written in terms of like oh this is simplistic or this is a little bit on the nose and then there's bedrock failure to grasp <laughs> yeah and... this is this chapter should have been returned from an editor and said you have a lot of telling going on i need you to show right this needs um, to be redone so we have officially finished chapter three what next up do you is... think happens next uh, chapter four, um, Jackson Millsap puts, uh, oversized headphones on Zade and says, have you ever heard Richard Marks? He'll really <laughs> change your life. Because, because he's secretly the manic pixie dream guy. Oh um, God. And then there's this, uh, this, this montage sequence and then a bunch of like fucking banjo ensconced bearded hipster assholes are providing the music and... <laughs> Um, who do you think the new love triangle is? Um, I think it is, um, whatever shape you want to make it. Uh, yeah. Love polygon. Um, it is, it is Jackson Millsap and his, oh, this is a good one. Um, Jackson Millsap and his as yet unintroduced sinister muse who is fueling his third wave ska revival uh, explorations <laughs> of the soft rock late 80s oeuvre. So, 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 spoilers, so, so, so ne- yeah, that's, Jackson's that's... In, the, in the middle of the triangle and not actually Zayd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so chapter four is the Empress and the Empress clearly refers to uh, Jackson's, you know, Shakespearean dark lady who, 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 who's been like uh, feeding him real big fish records all along and, and talking to him about moon ska in New York and, and um, Zay just fucks off and, and goes and does <laughs> illusions. Now, speaking of i went to salem yesterday and i went to a shop that that specializes in in illusions and i asked them for an illusion that would let me jump off a catwalk and dive into a stage and they told me to go fuck myself so uh, did you really no christ i'm not a child in that way (laughs) 
Okay, I'm sorry. I've hung out with you enough that like you make it sound like this is something that you wouldn't do. This is something that like if I said the wrong comment to you while we were in the shop, you would have done out of spite. Like Yes, but that was not the circumstances <laughs> I described, so I didn't do it. So I didn't true. say I wouldn't do it. I said I didn't. No, but you uh, implied by saying you're not a child. Um Yeah, I would only do it if circumstances dictate. I would not do it. Did you buy any illusions? Uh, No, I didn't because uh, the ones that I was looking at, I already have, um, which I need to find my Svengali deck at some point. (laughs) Um, So yeah, uh, wrap things up as ever. uh, Like a whole study. We got to stay positive. Wait. Oh, Oh. fuck. I got to tell people where, where, wait, do we tell people where to find me now or do we, do we recommend something and then tell people where to find me? Okay, I just was making sure that you weren't wrapping up and saying that you're James. So, um, I don't know. I like the idea of saying something positive first. Okay, um, I'm going to go see King Crimson tomorrow in concert, which is one of my bucket list bands, so throwing up the horns. Uh, So I recommend everyone go out and see music locally that doesn't suck, Mm -hmm. Uh, even if it's a third wave ska Richard Marks cover band. If If that's your jam, we are not here to yuck anyone's yum. Uh, I am actually going to recommend The Hate You Give, which is the book this knocked off the bestsellers for briefly. I actually finished the book this week, and it is a fantastic look at the racial issues um, but with cops, um, but also a good focus on like how destructive the media is. Um, so I think everybody should go read it and expect lots of tears. So. Okay. Um, if you want more of my opinions, I <laughs> pity you. And you can find me at Over the Tabletop, a podcast where my partner and I talk about two-player board games. You can find us at overthetabletop.libsyn.com or by typing Over the Tabletop into your social media search <laughs> engine of choice, period, the end. Type five on where to find me. Boo! You can find me on my other two podcasts, Judging Book Covers, which is a bi-weekly book club podcast, and Fabulous Retellings, where I just recorded three new episodes for, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> so, uh, um, as for this podcast, you can find us anywhere on social media. That's not true. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Handbook Podcast. Uh, we are on most podcasting things, as far as I know. Don't forget to rate and review us. Find us on the dark web. Um, you will never find me on the dark web. I'm too hidden. <laughs> All right. Until uh, next time. Yeah. Uh, bye. 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 <laughs> bye.